Father, we just pray for a new baptism of your love. Leonard Ravenhill called zeal love ablaze. When they questioned Jesus and his actions, he said, the the zeal for my father's house has consumed me. Love ablaze. See, love, it's like one of your kids fell into the river. Who's a dad here? Raise their hand. Believe it or not, I'm 41 and I'm a grandpa. Who's a grandpa here? Raise their hand. Who's a grandma? Who's a mother? Raise their hand. Let me ask you a question. If one of your children, your grandbaby, I want to look in your eyes. I can see you. If they fell into a raging whitewater river, how long would you think about jumping in? Quickly, tell me. Not even think about it. That's love ablaze. That's how God, see, that's, a, that's a revelation. I just got a revelation. That's how God views every human soul. The book of Jude says, on some have compassion, making a difference. Others save with fear, snatching them from the fire. There's a compassion. See, it's linked with compassion. Not duty. Not because I told you. But because something burns in you so bad because of the Father's love, his zeal, and love ablaze. That you would leap into any current of humanity. Any smoke-filled room. Any coffee shop, any street corner, any church building, any fire station, anywhere you would plunge because of that love. Believe it or not, despite the message that I preach that's often hard, I'm telling you the only reason I preach is because of the love that God has put in my heart. To see that black man walk up and sit on the bench today melancholy, sad and to see him walk from that bench in right square his face beaming with love and he crossed the whole square to come to us on the other side just to smile at us and say thank you for having me stop and pray to see the homeless man that all he wanted and of all the things he could have asked for. And I had a few bucks in my pocket. He said, could you just get me a newspaper? I just want to read a newspaper. I said, sir, I'll get you a newspaper. Better than that, I'll pray for you. I got a buddy on the phone from the original power team. He wants to pray for you too. To see everywhere at moments today, anywhere you looked in the square, you saw Christians praying. That, my friend, is a glimpse of revival. That is the smell of revival. That's what God said to Abraham. Look, as far as you can look, you can number them. This is your children. This is your harvest. And as we stood in that historic precipice, my God, we looked down the barrel of God's greater works. And he's got both barrels cocked right now. (laughs) And he's about to pull those trees. And he's getting us ready. I mean, there are churches like Jessup that I have found around the country. Not many. I don't mean that to sound flattering or 
it just is a fact. There's not that many like this that are really postured and that are willing to go the extra mile. But those that are, I believe last night we said something that was prophetic, that there are 7,000 churches. Does that mean God's limited? No, they're forerunners. That there were 7,000 churches in the South that God had laid His hand upon, that He had set aside, that had not sold out. And that God was about to raise the ceiling, lower the ceiling, and give them a access and entry into the harvest like never before. God talked about mustering the soldiers of the warriors, that that war, warrior spirit that was going to come back to the south that hadn't been here since post-Civil War, that trauma, that tragedy had taken the fight from the spirit, taken the spirit. But God is going to bring that the warrior spirit. Psalms 144.1 was one of the ones I didn't get a share last night. Lord, David prayed, teach my hands to war. Teach me how to fight. Isn't that amazing? The great warrior didn't know how. It was God that enabled him to conquer his foes. We know who our enemy is. It's the darkness that covers half the world, if not more. The largest growing religion is not Christianity, it's Muslim. Some would argue that. I hope they're wrong. But to me, that's not discouraging. It's, it's uplifting. Huntsville, Alabama has a motto for their city. They've made the rockets that went to the moon. They've... Uh, NASA and all they, they've made the vehicles that drove on the moon the first moon trip the motto for Huntsville Alabama is the sky is not the limit my friend the sky is not the limit and as far as the east is from the west which is limitless there is no end is the kingdom of God mere mortal men and women can change the world got an email not too long ago on Facebook it said do you remember us I said no they said Santa Rosa California 1999 you took a small group of us to the streets you insisted on going it was an odd day of the week like a Thursday we knew nobody would be there but to our surprise there were a lot of people there the last person you usually usually there is some exception that you want to ask what their streets look like after 9.30, don't ask a Christian. <laughs> so they said, I know one out in the streets. You kidding me? It's a Thursday. You know, it's just, Chad, it's just it's a waste of time. But we'll go. According to thy word, we'll throw the net on the other side of the boat. But, you know, we've worked all night and took in nothing. Sounds admirable, Chad. Sure. Okay. We'll follow you. The streets were full of people. I'll never forget a group of Satanists, all with pinnacles and pentagrams, very obviously gothic. They weren't playing around. Three of them got saved, were taken out of the city that night to a house in Southern California. No, the house was in, uh, yeah, Central California, outside of Stockton. Escaped. Some saved with fear, snatching them from the fire. They said, Chad, you remember us now? I go, I don't remember you, but I remember the time. I remember now. I remember what we did. They go, we're, we've been in Korea now for 10 years on the mission field because of that walk in the streets. Thank you. Thank you for opening our eyes to the harvest. 
thank you for showing us how easy it was. That little itsy bitsy me, mere meager me, has nothing really to say. It's not my personality. I'm not, you know. And I opened my mouth that day and God used me. And I had an epiphany. I realized that it wasn't me they wanted anyways. It was Jesus. And I followed the footsteps of the Lord. I opened my mouth and he filled it. I took no thought in that hour what I would say. But the spirit of my heavenly father spoke through me, Chad. And people got saved. And I realized my calling. That I was born again for this purpose. To share the love of Jesus with every human being. last night I'm telling you those moments aren't just special they cement the very reason I'm alive for them to get up and say we read your book The Cry of the Harvest it's amazing That's a, or my first book was published by one of the world's largest publishing houses Destiny Image, D.D. Jakes, Oral Roberts you name it I chose an, a self-publishing book for the next one said, Lord, I want to make something that's just so touchable, so within reach that every common person could know, I can do this. I can do this. And to garner, to garner some of the endorsements from Arthur Blessed. In the Guinness Book of World Records three times. No different than Keith standing right here. Had a storefront church on Sunset Strip, 1969 doctor took him in and said you have an aneurysm you're not going to live we're going to operate on you December 25th Christmas day in his deathbed couldn't get up because of the pressure the Lord spoke to him and said Arthur I want you to take that cross off the wall that decorative cross you know he says later in his life he said if I would have known the Lord was out I would have made it much smaller that 12 foot cross 120 pounds Take that cross, Arthur, and walk around the world. Tell them I love them. Tell them the cross is still relevant. Tell them that the preaching of the cross is still the power to save. He called his wife with great trepidation. The wife is always the last test. It's the first line of defense for us men, isn't it? I'm learning that after eight years. Your first line of defense is your wife. Chad, no, that is really stupid. Yes, Lord, <laughs> Jesus, inside of you. He calls his wife about to lose her husband. She says, when are we leaving? Arthur took, got up off that bed and dumped every piece of medication in. He took his cross up, and a few months later, he began to walk across America. 1970 chained himself to a tree in Washington, D.C., fasted and prayed for 40 days. This little thing called the Jesus Movement followed him. It shook the world to its core. If you want to know a good book to read, read Billy Graham, The Jesus Movement, and you'll find all you need. 
conceive such churches as Calvary Chapel and Vineyard. Other coffee shops and all kinds of things all around the world. By hippies and really we're just kids. That's what they were right here. They couldn't play their instruments perfect, but their hearts were pure. Let me say it again. They couldn't play their instruments perfect, but their hearts were pure. And God anointed them. I think that's what's made this worship and this church special all all along. I've heard, no offense, but I've heard worship better. But I'd be hard-pressed to find something more pure. So Arthur took his cross around the world. That was 1970. What's the year now? 2000. I forgot. No. In jail, it just kind of, you know, you lose track of years. I've still got five years I'm trying to make up for it. To me, it's 2009 or eight. In Nicaragua, he was walking with his cross. He warned them and said, Arthur, you've, you've got to get off the public roads at night. They'll shoot you on sight. Arthur says, I have one rule as I've walked in every nation of the world. When I get tired, I lay my head down like Jesus. Number two, I take no money on the road, nothing. That night he laid down. He had a small pickup that TBN had provided for him. He laid in the back of the truck with an ex-Marine and a boxer. Went to sleep. In the middle of the night, as people predicted, they pounded on his door. And they were saying, Senor, Arthur, bless it. Senor, bless it. He was all over the newspapers. They pulled him out of the truck, commanded the others to stay inside. But 14, 15 soldiers. They pulled him about 10 feet from the truck and they lined up with guns and they said, Uno, dos. That's all he remembers here. And Arthur said to himself, I'm going to die with my Bible. I'm going to die with my Bible. So he turned to the truck and he went to grab the door. Everything's a blur now. And he's grabbing a box of New Testaments wrapped in packaging tape, but he can't get it open. And as this is all happening in seconds, he says to himself, I'll give them all a Bible, a Santa Biblia. So he begins to pull Bibles out of this box. No gunshots. He slowly turns with a fistful of Bibles to preach the gospel in his last dying breath. The soldiers are laid out yards away on their back. One's feet are stuck out of the back of the truck. They leap up in terror and run. The two men in the back of the truck got out and said, Arthur, what did you do? We heard flesh on flesh. We heard heard someone getting beaten. The whole village came out and received the Lord. They saw the angels of the Lord come down and defend the man of God. You know where that comes from? It comes from stepping out in faith. It comes from going down in the projects and handing out bags of lunch. It comes from the simple things. It comes from a, a trailer you build and you weld and you bring up a power and you set up and you do a sidewalk Sunday school like Bill Wilson in New York who they shot in the face as he witnessed Jesus in New York City. Pastor Bill Wilson shot him right in the face. The next week he's out there preaching. He could barely talk. I'm telling you right now, those gang members were terrified. I shot that man in the face, and he's still preaching. But the comedy of religion. Remember after Lazarus was raised from the dead? Do you remember that little tiny scripture in the King James? They set about how to kill him. 
dude, you just, he just raised from the dead and you're going to try to kill him again? The enemy really thinks he can beat you. Doesn't he know that God can just breathe right into you and raise you up? Like he's raising up many of you now? Cancer, spancer, fancer. Rudolph and dancer. God will heal you. I'm going to tell you how he's going to heal you. Immediately. It's found in Isaiah 58, folks. When you deal your bread to the poor, when you take the stranger into your house, when you undo heavy burdens, your health will spring forth speedily. It's a thing called spiritual job security. When you tell Jesus, I'll go for you, I'll do anything for you, my friend, he will give you mouth to mouth. Because he's got billions of people that he needs saved. And he's only got a few to do it in comparison. I'll never forget in some small town somewhere in some small state in some small country. (laughs) There was a woman in a walker. And she said, Chad, I want to go with you guys in the streets today. I just got to go. But I I can't walk more than a block. I'm on oxygen. I'll lose my breath. I've got to stop. But I I hope I don't hinder you. Is it okay if I come? I said, my God, come. Years ago. I remember he stopped at her house with the pastor to get her walker. And we continued in our strategy that day. was in a small city. We were going to pray for every business owner. Ask every business owner. We're from so-and-so church. We just want to pray over your business. We know times are hard. Can we just pray God's blessing upon you? We love you. You know what? Not one business said no. <laughs> that woman, we separated in groups. I didn't see her until about an hour or two later. When I saw her again, she had no walker. She says, Chad, I've walked all over the city for two hours, and I keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. She was like the ten lepers that walked away from the Lord and believed what he said. Those were the first evangelists. They weren't going back to the priest to pay homage. They were going back to the high priest to tell him about Jesus, who the high priest didn't believe in. Those ten lepers were the first evangelists. They better, they had, they had to get healed. Can you imagine? They were going to listen to God's word. Okay, you just had to do it. They walk in there with leprosy. Uh, Jesus just told me to come and confess and do this. The Old Testament rites about being healed, but I'm not healed, but Jesus told me to. That's no more comical than you obeying God and saying, Lord, I'll go, and then God does not enable you to go. That's on Him. God wants to empower you. God wants to strengthen you. He wants to gird you you up. He wants to make this the best days of your life. You know, brother, I believe it's not coincidence the way you dress. I I know it sounds funny. I'm bringing this up again, ain't I? But you know what? I believe the Polynesian Islands have need of you and your church. I believe that Fiji and Samoa and New Zealand and the Hawaiian Islands and other islands I don't know of have need of you. I see a, I'm going to tell you what I see. I've never prophesied this in my life. I've never even been on a cruise, so don't blame me. I see on a cruise ship going to all the Hawaiian, all the islands. People would say, wow, that's really cool. Can I go? But you know what you're doing? It's a prayer thing. You're getting off in the ports of these places, and you're crying out to God for the Pacific Rim. You're crying out to God for these islands. And you're doing worship every night on the, on the boat. I know it sounds funny, but it's not. That ship's the only thing that gets you out there. Remember Acts chapter 27, 28, and Paul on the ship? 
let's just pray that yours stays in all in one piece. You know, you're going to be okay. <laughs> Paul's cruise didn't work out very good. All they had left was a couple boards. You know, there. But that's not you. But God would send your a team out from this church to the Polynesian Islands, and you'd start stopping ports like uh, Maui and Kona and, and places that are really in distress right now, and Fiji and, and Samoa and New Zealand and Australia and places like that. Father, we thank you for commissioning them, commissioning them. We thank you for the Bahamas. We thank you for Cuba. We thank you for the isles of the earth, God, that you'll give this church. My God, volatile places in the crossfire, political intrigue, upheaval, and they'll take ships. I see these ships were built for you. They weren't built for, you know, Frank Sinatra. They were built for us to go and to preach the gospel. I pray for good deals and group deals. I pray they'd go to the seven seas captain of their ship, the captain of their faith, Jesus Christ. Lord, send them. Let this be a year that they begin to plot their course. Let this be the year, God, they take out the maps, the compass, and survey the land. And you'll speak to them. I hear the Lord say, Alaska, the Bering Strait, Russia, Mongolia, all those places will be open to you. Everywhere there's water. I hear the Lord say, wherever there's water, you can go. Wherever there's a port city, that's where God's called you. That's very apostolic because that's where Paul went. You went to all, you, you, you look at the maps of Paul's journeys. Corinthian, Corinth, and Rome, and all these places. He could access by water. Lord, shod their feet with the preparation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. We pray Isaiah 61.1 in Luke chapter 4. God, this anointing is upon them to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to open the prison of them that are bound. Lord, to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for sorrow, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to undo every yoke. Those that are cast away, to bring them in. Lord, everything's set in motion now. Father, it's not, this is just a confirmation. This isn't really even prophetic. This is a bona fide confirmation, echoing things you've been telling them for years. I even see a young married couple that talked about these countries. I see a young married couple that talked about these things. You even planned to go, but it never worked out. The Lord said, I saved the best for last. My God. And now you'll go and you'll take all your spiritual children with you. And Asia will open up. That'll be in the latter days right there. That'll be in the latter days for your life. It'll be Asia. Oh boy. Deep into the mountains of China. And they'll call you, whatever they call in Chinese, Papa, Father, they're going to call you that. You're going to be like a father to many. They're going to call you that in their language. 
and mama and papa in their language. And you'll foster many churches, grassroots. Oh, God. Papua New Guinea. Easter Islands. I see you standing right in Stonehenge praying, lifting up holy hands to the Lord. I see an instrument that you're going to play. Is another instrument God's going to give you. I see another instrument that you're going to travel with and play like God's minstrel. It's another instrument that you're going to play God's going to give you. It's going to be an instrument of intercession and prayer. grab a hold of it right now. You need to grab a hold of it. This is an open heaven, not just for them, but for all of you. For Herbert back here. Don't be, don't be tricked. Men like Herb or just like my grandpa. They're, on the surface, they look calm, but inside there's a hot-blooded man that God has put destiny and purpose in. And they're not done. They're not finished. They're not just waiting to go into the la-la by, by and by. They, they've got a lot more to do in this world. I hear the Lord saying to you, Herbert, there's people in your family He's going to save. There's some young people that you're really fond of in your family that are really mavericks and renegades. They're not really bad, but they've just lost their course, and I, I just feel like you're concerned for them. If you'd go out of your way to see them at holidays, or I just hear God saying, I'm going to save them as a, a token to you. I'm going to save these young men and, and even a girl in your family. Uh, I'm going to save them. They may not be right in your house but they're in your family and you have a fondness for them. Just like my grandpa had a fond. My grandpa had tons of grandkids but my grandpa just just he just had a special love for me because I had to have it. I had to have it. I wouldn't have made it. And God's given you a special love Herb for certain people in your family. And uh I really believe that you're going to a token of God's appreciation. I know in your own mind you might not think that you've done much for God, but brother, if it all all it was was a sack of your lunch given to Jesus to feed the five thousand, a loaf of bread and fishes, if all you've given is what you've got, that's enough. You may never jockey a pulpit, but I think the day is shortly coming that you're going to have something to give. I just hear the Lord saying, I'm going to give you something to give. I don't know what that is, but you're going to have something to give to those that have need around you. And you're going to invest in their lives. And I think one of them deals with college. And you're going to know that something like that, that kind of investment would outlive you for decades. If you could invest in their future. You're going to say, you know, I had this little bit here and I got others put away, but I, I want to make sure you go to college. And They're going to do it. And they're going to succeed in their life and be happy and content and satisfied. So, Father, bless his family and bless the role that he's going to play. It may seem like a minor chord, but God, in your eyes, it's, 
it's major. So bless her, Lord. We appreciate him. He's not just riding around with his nephew. He's certainly an integral part of what God is doing. And you love and care about him deeply. We, we're thankful for him, Lord. And Lord, we pray right now for all the nations of the world. Let these people grab it. Let them grab it, Father. Let them grab. some of you think it's not you it's for someone else that's just not my gig I'm a I'm a hometown country boy that's what I'm always going to be that's fine so is Jesus okay so let's just get over that Jesus was the most home homegrown country boy there ever was he never traveled outside his own region never traveled outside his own city never wrote a book never had a fancy website but I friend he changed the world so if you're a hometown homespun country bumpkin that's fine with me God can still use you to change the world, man. And it's folks just like you that have the simplicity of Jesus. That don't got all those complexities and formulas that God can use. I think some of you, you're afraid of what God will tell you to do, though. I don't blame you. (laughs) I do not blame you. That's called the fear of the Lord. And it's the beginning of all wisdom. (laughs) But if you can get over that and say, Lord, I'll do it. I'll go. Wow. Because God's about to muster the soldiers and the army in the south. And he has need of you. Those that went out with me today, would you just stand up if you went out with me today? Thank you for praying for them and at home with your kids or at work or doing whatever you had to do. You thought of them and prayed for them. You're as much as a part of that as they were. Uh, come up here for a minute. Come on. You need a break? Are you okay? Okay. You're fine. I'm fine then. I want to start with our brother here, Hunter. I want him just to share with you what he felt today. His first comment to me this today, as he sat on the bench looking up at me like a deer in the headlights, he said, man, you're stretching me, dude. You're stretching me. I said, boy, I didn't do nothing. You're the one who showed up. You know, what are you talking about? What are you blaming me for? Farrell always blames me too, man. I just, come on. You're the one who calls me. And you answer my text. You don't have to answer my text messages. Oh, Lord. But to see him, to see our brother praying with people all over the city, in that part of the city, was unbelievable. You would, you would have thought he was an instructor. You would have thought that he was years in the field ministering. Well, you know what? He's been 2,000 years in the field ministering when he accepted Jesus. Tell him what you saw and felt. I was a deer caught in headlights when I got there. Um, that's not a lie. Uh, I, was, I was extremely nervous. I got there, and um, I sat down on this bench with Miss Clarissa, and uh, we, we just sat there. I was telling her how 
it's, it's a lot of waiting. You got to wait on the Lord. And um, I'm, I'm not patient when it comes to that. And especially with uh, we're going and stopping and going and stopping and going and stopping. I'm just sitting there and I'm, I feel like, you know, just I'm about ready to just get up and take off running and hallelujah, you know. And, uh, but we just kind of sat there and we're waiting on, on God to, to bring him to us. This guy walked by. He walked by several times, and um, and Chad just goes, "Hey, let's pray for you." And he comes in. He's like, "Okay, I guess." And he sits down. He's like, "All right, y'all take it." And he walked off. I'm going, "Where are you going?" You know, I I need you, but uh, it, it turned out real good. His name was Troy, and um, for some reason he packed up and moved to Savannah and was in a need for a job, and uh, so. God's going to give it to him, and he accepted it, and um, just just to see the joy and and the life that, that God gave him right there on that bench in Savannah, it's it, it's life changing. It, it's life changing. That that's what today was for me. It was life changing. Um, to talk to a guy named Michael and give him ten dollars so he can get to work. And him asking if that ten dollars is legit, it's life changing. It'll it'll break you. It'll stretch you. Um, to talk to a guy named James, and who is <clears throat> who's homeless, who who sleeps on a bench. And I was talking to him, and he said, "You know what?" He said, "There's something about the day. Today, he said, normally we don't even come to this square." He said, we go to the square two or three blocks down the road. He said, because the people here don't accept us. And I said, brother, that is God. You came here because God directed you here because he knew that we were coming. I said, this isn't our plan. This isn't your plan. I said, God's in control. I said, I said you were tied to the dock. I said, now you're a boat drifting, being blown in the wind. I said, you need to tie that dock down back to Jesus. Jesus, Let Jesus be your dock. And uh, so we went to Starbucks, and we were walking by. And we're like, hey, man, what can we get for you? You know, we're going to Starbucks. And um, to wash down their beer, they wanted some water. And, but James, he said, I, I really need some sunglasses. My eyes are killing me. And, uh, and he said, well, maybe we can find somebody who, you know, has got some in their car. And I'm like, I do, I do but I didn't say anything. So, and I've been wanting to throw those glasses away because I just don't want them anymore. I found something that I absolutely love, but I've kept them in my car. And I don't know why, but I've kept them there and I've kept them there. And uh, they were actually there so long that the sticker that's on my visor is getting stuck to the glasses. So I have to sit there and rotate it a little. But I mean, that's how long they've been sitting there. Well, we were leaving I named this Clarissa. I said, I got to go back. I got to get James these glasses. I said, that was like an hour and a half ago. I told him I'd bring them to him. I said, I don't want him to think that I'm not going to keep my word. So I pulled into a no parking, and we got cops just grilling us, saying, think, I, I can just feel their eyeballs saying, you can't park there. So she stayed in the car, and so I ran up there, and I said, James, here's your glasses. I said, I'm bringing them to you. He's like, man. He's like, I knew you would. I knew you would. You said you were coming. He said, nah, I didn't, I didn't stray. I thought of thinking that you wouldn't bring those to me. And so I handed them to him. I said, try them on. So he tried them on. And 
he's saying he was Jimi Hendrix and he's in the psychedelics and I said these are your vision goggles God's going to show you some great things with these things and uh, and the guy beside him he was I don't I'm, I'm wrapping it up I promise but he uh, <laughs> he said uh, he, he was honestly I, I really don't think he was all the way there which is awesome because how God showed up right then is life changing for me and, and but I, I said, look, I really got to go. I, you know, there's people waiting on me. I said, but I love you. Jesus loves you. And I, I touched James, and I said, I just want to bless you. And I, and I didn't say anything to the other guy. I don't even know his name. But I can't. I said, I, 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 just, I just love you. And the whole time I'm talking to him before that, like, he's, he's all like this. And, but I, I just said, Jesus loves you like that. And he sat up, and his whole face just changed. And he goes, woo! He said, man, you, he said, you blessed me. And I said, I do. I'll do it again. I said, I bless you, buddy. And it's just that one moment. I have one more story. But now, now that I'm thinking about it, the Lord just dropped it right here. I was talking to Michael. I was talking to Michael about the $10, and he asked me if it was legit. And I told him it was. I got up, and I went and I told, I told Chad. I said, this, you know, this is what happened. And he said something. I, I promise you stick with me for the rest of my life so 30 years down the road when i when i see you with a cane and you're and you're still preaching i'm gonna tell you this story and you're gonna go i remember that but he said something to me and so i told him i said i said michael i said this ten dollars is yours i said even if you're not even going to work and that was the story you wanted to tell us to get three dollars to ride the bus to wherever it is that you're going i said this $10 is legit. And I told him that, and he said, man, he said within that five minutes, that five minutes of talking to Michael, he has totally changed his whole persona of who God is because of this one moment in life. And that one moment, five minutes, is more precious to me talking to Michael about that $10 is life-changing.
I saw has anything, I mean, he was more amazing. But um, we didn't, originally Sat and I were not going to go. I mean, it was one o'clock last night when, well, well, I guess this morning, when all of a sudden Sat's telling me, yes, we're going. Um, And he had been like, Judy, whatever happens, don't let us go. You know, talk about turning to the wife as the second Give us some other excuse. We've got, we cannot go. We cannot go. I do not want to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable. These are not my style. It's not my, give me a classroom. Give me, give me, you know, intelligence. Give me this. Give me that. Don't give me the street. Please. So we did. <laughs> and, but, you know, he said one o'clock in the morning, leaving Huddle House. And he's like, yeah, we're going to go tomorrow. So the deer in the headlights, uh, we weren't even deer. Um, you know, we were little bunnies. We were little bunnies in the headlights, you know. Stomp on us, you know. At least deer can run away. Um, and then he did, you know, talk about the same thing. He, he walks over and says, come on, I got an assignment for you. Those three men, go talk to them. And they were, well, one of them was the James. And Mike and And, I mean, drunk as skunks. And one of them actually, with two of them got arguing over calling the daughter. Well, you should call your daughter. Here, use my phone. And he had one of these old, old, pre-pay, you know, pay-as-you-go phones. And they asked me how to turn the, how to plug a phone number in and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing talking to these people. And I'm like, can we pray for you? Is there anything we can pray for? And they're like, sure, we'll take prayer. It won't work, but we'll take it anyway. And I'm just like, okay. Um, you know, and we're, I don't even know. We prayed over this and that and other things, you know, that they would mostly just come to know that, that you know, God and that they were safe and that, they, you know, that God's presence would show up in the park. And that was the thing, you know, that just that even for that, the God's presence would show up. And obviously, Hunter came along, and it did show up, so, because he talked to the same people later. But um, the next, quote, assignment we got, that was this one, that one I could actually handle. Um, we got sent over to talk to this woman who was there with her little daughter. And she was making roses and crosses out of um, palm reeds. Palm reed. We have them in the car. We can even, if necessary, go around and get them. And they, they do, homeless and others do this to earn some extra money. And so he says, she's homeless. Go talk to her. Well, it turns out she's not exactly homeless. I don't know where she lives, um, but she does have a place to live. And she now even owns a car of some sort. But she says it's a, it's a clunker. But she's grateful to have it. She won't send her daughter to school because she's afraid of the school. She doesn't like the Savannah schools at all. Um, so her daughter's five, so she's been homeschooling. Sort of, I guess. Um, they. She has one person she cleans houses for. 
She's been trying to get some other people to clean houses. And she even asked me if I knew anybody. I'm like, I don't know anybody in Savannah. I mean, I'm real. I don't know anybody in Savannah. Um, but I said I could look, you know, and check around if I could. And she said, she get, she, we actually talked to her about coming down here today. I said, we could pay for your gas and all that stuff. We could come down tonight. And she said she couldn't because she had to get up at 3 in the morning to get newspapers because she's one of the people that stands on the corner and sells newspapers on Sundays. And she brings her daughter. You know, her daughter goes wherever she goes. So at first I had just given her, a, you know, went over. I actually gave her some money originally, just a little, well, you know, 20 bucks. And took, took a flower from her. I said, can I buy this? And I actually using talking to her daughter. Um, by the way, her, the mother's name is Charity. And the daughter is Racine. And so I was talking. And then I went and I was like, Lord, I know I got to do something more. But I really didn't know whether just handing her money or what. So I actually asked a cop if there was a grocery store anywhere nearby. You know, if you just buy like a you know gift card to a grocery store. Well, there wasn't. I mean, there was one <laughs> miles away type thing. So I happened to go, there was a CVS. I happened to go over there to get some water, and I got just some orange juice and whatever, and gave it to her for her daughter because it's hot. You know what can you what we gotta have something to drink. And then when I was walking, and I didn't know what to do, and so I actually said, I said, "Is there anything you need?" And that's what I found. I said, "You have a place you to live," and she said, "Yeah, I do." And I said, "And you can afford it. You can." She said, "Well, I I pay it when I can, and it's okay." And she said, I think I owe, I think I, I, I still owe $100 this month, but God will give it to me. I'll make it up. I'll make it up. Well, I happened to take some money with me. And I'd already given her 20 I pulled out the rest of the money, and I had $80. After paying for lunch and whatever, you know. And I just went, here you go. And she's like, no, 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 what, is, what are you doing? I said, no, no. I said, you're going to pay your rent. I said, I don't, you know, and, and I can honestly tell you, I mean, I'm not a, I don't, I haven't been around people on drugs for many years. And everything in my being said this woman was not on, was not on drugs, was not an alcoholic. She was just hurt and poor. She, you know, she has an ex who's the biological father, but then she has a different ex who was ado- had adopted her daughter name is on the birth certificate but he won't have anything to do with her and he told her try and sue me for money I don't care um, she has no family in the area so you know um, she is just doing what she knows to do to manage for her for her and her little girl and so for me she was easier to talk to than the drunken men because I've been close to her shoes I had a home I mean, I, I, I lived in a home my parents owned. But I was raising my son and working three jobs and going to school. And, you know, I could, he could tell the days of the week by which person was keeping an eye on him that day for a, lot, for a while. So I could relate to this girl. I couldn't relate to the, I mean, I hate to say, I couldn't relate to the drunken men. You know, I tried, you know. But this woman I could relate to. And we, I ended up sitting with her off and on for the for over an hour 
You know, I'd, I'd sit for 20 minutes and I'd go walk away and I'd have to give her the excuse that I gotta go find Zach. Um, which, because he had come originally and then he left because he, okay, you know. Um, and then I'd come back and then I'd go away and then finally, and she, I gave her my, my cell phone number when I left. I said, you know, if you need it, because her, she has her daughter, she has for her daughter an old, again, one of these old, 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 ancient looking cell phones. That's a pay as you go thing she bought a few minutes for. She said, you know, I, I let my daughter have it in case she needs it. Um, and they even see the, the guy that's on the birth certificate. They even see him around town. And her daughter cries every time she sees him. Why doesn't daddy want to talk to me? You know, the guy lives in the, right in the neighborhood. But why doesn't daddy even want to talk to me? So, and again, her name is, the mom's name is Charity. And the little girl's name is adorable little girl, by the way. <laughs> Um, is named Racine. Well, I was involved in street ministry one time before and told told Judy, if I ever thought of doing it again, she'd please stop me. Talk some sense into me. Um, because there, there, there's something with all of us. There are some things that come very natural, very easy, and things I can do standing on my head. There are others I'm thinking, why am I here? And I think a part of the reason I did it is because it was so far out of my comfort zone. The things that I can do well. I don't need Jesus for. I can do it really quite well on my own. Uh, this one, anything like this, even the fact that I was there was more his doing than not mine because it made no sense to me. The issue I had to decide was not am I any good at this or am I going to be effective or whatever, but am I available? And if there's anything God wants to do, well, here I am do what he wants. God revealed to me something up here that I totally forgot. <laughs> See, God will put things together that we that we can't put together in our own strength. I've tried to put things together and they just don't work, and I get upset. But uh, when we follow Him and do, when He puts in our heart to buy something, even mm. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> brothers from India. And I went to the restaurant last night and Herbert and I went to the back to the motel and he went back he went he was tired and he wanted to go go to sleep so so when I went to the restaurant I, I got set with his brothers at the table. And, you know, <laughs> what happened? 
a black, there happened to be a black prophet there that prophesied on, she was, I let Chad tell, tell the guy's name now that I connected, but, oh, my. But today, Chad had asked me, and uh, what's your name? Papu. To uh, go minister this, this guy that had been sitting at this bench for a long time. And um, when we walked up to him, I could tell he was scared. He wasn't, he, he looked like he was going to get, you know, he thought we was going to mug him or something. That's what the fear in his face was. I hope he's going to rob him, and he just wasn't sure what it was about. And so I seen God remove this fear from him by, by things that, that you said. You remember what you said? said we are not here to pass judgment on you we're not here to condemn you in any way we're here simply to pray for you just give us two minutes of your time if you don't want us near you we'll go away it's that simple yeah that's what you said all we'll simply do is pray for you it may not work here and now immediately will. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. So he said he needed a better life. <laughs> so he did allow us to pray for him. Now that this other guy, he comes by. We're sitting at, at, the, at a bench in a, where they walk into the, into the square. <sighs> Man. This guy had stitches. He had scabs on face and I don't know whether he I don't know whether he fell down I don't know his eye was black I don't know I don't know what, what happened to him whether he was in a car wreck whether he was somebody punched him I have no idea but he pat he comes he's walking by us and he's laughing he's chuckling and I said what's so funny <laughs> so he said you remember what you said to him <laughs> what's wrong with your memory <laughs> It was. It wasn't like ten years ago. It was only this afternoon. <laughs> it's a good. No, it's a good job you don't have to get up here and preach. <laughs> You've done enough damage for one day. <laughs> All right, guys, here it goes. Um, his name was Curtis. Um, now he, he really looked as though he had a couple of rounds with Mike Tyson. And he came out at the wrong end of it. <laughs> his, his face was cut up. He had, still had cake blood on his face. And he had stitches in his face. And in, in all of the, our encounters, there was a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of despair. So I said to anybody we came across, look, we don't have a magic wand that we can wave and make your troubles disappear. We can just make a small difference 
small, that's all. So I asked him, I said, will you please sit down on the bench with us? Give us two minutes. I ain't got two minutes. I said, all right, how about a minute? So, <laughs> so he thought, he said, okay, I, I got a minute. Okay, I said, well, that's probably all you will probably need uh, for now. <laughs> so, so, he, so he sat down beside us. And Bob started praying for him. And then, you know, we prayed to the Lord that he'll see this guy through his troubles and hopefully change his ways. N nothing profound, you know, just a simple prayer. And the other thing we found, both with this guy, Curtis, and the one before him, Paul, they knew their scriptures. They were not just uh, street bums. No, 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 no. They knew their scriptures. The first one, uh, Paul, after initially being standoffish, not hostile, but sort of standoffish, he was cool towards us. He didn't really want any involvement until we said, look, we're not here to intrude on you. We're not stepping on your toes. If you want us to go away, we will. But if you just give us two minutes. And then after we finished with him, he did say, he said, all things are possible through Christ. All things. He gives me strength. And the second one, Curtis. First thing he said to us, he said, no, 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 don't pray for me. Don't pray for me. I'm beyond redemption. I said, no, no, nobody's beyond that. He can rescue anybody from anywhere at any time. And afterwards, he said, he said, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he spilled his blood for me. So I said, if you believe that, you're better than most. How can you say you're beyond redemption? You're not. You're halfway to heaven already. These are not my words. These are his. These are his words. He was the one saying, I believe he died for me. So I really felt Hey man, you should be praying for us. <laughs> You're a better preacher than any I've come across. I'll finally finish with a different version of that Francis of Assisi prayer. The power of the word. He can, where there's darkness, they can, they can, he, he can make light. Where there's despair, he can bring hope. Where there's hate, I mean burning, searing hate, he can bring love. I think that's enough, guys. Now, no, just just to say, I'm normally not very good at speaking in public. This is one of the very few times I've done it. So thank you for your parents.
sometimes I get stuck in the past and, and dwell on the past, but see, I'm tonight I'm in the present. <laughs> in the moment. Sometimes we need to seize the moment. <laughs> the staff that I carry represents standing in the gap for the Native American Indians. He tells people he's a real Indian. I forgot. <laughs> the staff was bought in Newark, Ohio at a Native American Indian store. And what did it have on the bottom of it? India. <laughs> I tell people it's a real Indian stick. <laughs> someday that God was going to do this when he put it in my heart to get that staff. No idea. And that and the headdress came from a casino out west in 2005. It was, it was just a plain stick. Oh, what a moment. And tell him a little bit about your experience with the Zunis. Zunis are a American Indian tribe on the northwest corner of Arizona, New Mexico. Very, very sad. A lot of despair, a lot of anger, tremendous number of remaining issues. And if you're there, if you didn't believe in spiritual warfare below, before, you will after you've been there a little bit. Uh, you'll be educated. And I had a lot of fun because my with them because my approach to education is something a lot of people are not used to. I'm, I'm British and they're not American, they're not Indian. Um, I would tell them I'm the only real Indian on this whole reservation. Because because when Columbus came over, he wasn't looking for you guys, he was looking That's for right. me. Right. And I, I had a I had a blast with them. But I, I think that some of them learned some mathematics from me, but I learned a lot about spiritual warfare and trained for God to redeem the land um, while I was there. I'm not sure what else to tell them. If I tell you more about Zuni, the truth is you will not believe a word of it. Sorry, you just won't. One last thing, it was... Chat and I were talking about. Well, first of all, by the way, with Zuni, you want I mean, anytime you want to hear the stories, just come on over and hang out for a while. But um, when we had kids who worked for Teach for America, and they'd come during, between college and say law school, and if they taught for two years in pathetic places like Zuni, the government forgave their their student loans. And so it was worth doing it. And every so often they'd have a gathering of the people from Teach for America where they'd all just, you know, get together for a uh, refresher session or, or a, a, you know, a pointer on how to teach something. And as people do, they tell stories. 
and the people that taught on Zuni had to go last because nobody else could top their stories. How pathetic it was. But, and it, it is true. But what I wanted to say originally, when Sat was talking about, here I am, Lord, send me. Sat and I always te- were teasing today, and it was just a joke, and, but it kind of like struck me as, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I think we just said something that's not a joke. Um, you know, you always raise your hand, okay, you know, here I am. Well, a lot of times, just, you know, you'll, because you'll be feeling so much um, energy or so much excitement, yeah, yeah, you know, here I am, here I am, send me. You actually raise both hands. And I said, and all of a sudden, Donna said, that's like laughing. I said, are we raising both hands because, yeah, we're so excited to go, or it's, I just surrender. Just whatever you want. Oh, well, I guess we're going. And at first it was just a joke, but then as we've been thinking about it all day, it's like, well, you know, <laughs> did we just surrender? <laughs> Woo! Praise God. I, I was just sitting here thinking and um, about all the people that we had prayed about, and the Lord dropped in me, and, and he said, Hunter, you've also got to remember about the people you didn't pray about, you didn't pray for. Because there was one particular guy, and his face, I don't know his name, I don't know anything about him, but I know there was, that he needed prayer. He needed enlightenment. Yeah. He walked by, and as he was walking up across the street, Chad looked at him and said, that right there is our target. And he tapped me, and he got my attention, and he said, right there, that man, he needs our prayer. And I said, you're right, he needs enlightenment. And as he was walking by, Chad, Chad got his attention and said, these guys, they're cool cats, they want to pray for you. And he looked at him and just this, with this look, and he said, you just chill out, man, and kept walking. And I, I, I was stunned. I was like, Jesus, he needs prayer. Please stop him. But he was on a mission, and he was, he was getting out of Dodge quickly. And I sat there, and as that was going on, I said, I, I, I could just feel it. These people around us know why we're here. This is more than a physical thing. This is, we have angels and and God is God is here. He is here and now. And it, it, just through this whole worship, I can still see that one guy's face telling us to chill out. But he missed it completely because this isn't about us chilling. We're we're going out. I mean, this is this is. I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but I felt compelled to say this. It's not, it's not just about the people we pray for. It's about the people we don't. That one guy is going to, is going to, that his face is going to travel with me for, for a long, long time. I don't know. I was very compelled to tell whoever that's for, but. Y'all give him a hand, okay? Now. We're almost done. We're going to wrap up, but don't anybody leave right yet, okay? A couple things to mention, and then we got one more thing to do, and uh, we're going to call it a night. Um, there's a love offering basket right here between the two rows of chairs. Uh, we're um, putting that out there for you to be able to sew into the uh, Hawaiian outreach. Now, that, that sounds weird, doesn't it? But anyway, it's the Hawaiian outreach. Chad's going to take that money and make sure it gets to the islands next time it goes back. When are you going back, Chad? May 1 through 10. 
team from L.A. So uh, to sow liberally, give liberally. And uh, tomorrow we'll be back for uh, the uh, last service of the weekend at 10 o'clock. We'd like for you to come and bring somebody. We'll be um, we'll kind of rock out, to be honest with you. And uh, it was good tonight. We'll just give the youth band a hand, heart cry. They did a good job. Yeah, good job. Good job. Now, we do have we have people here from Ohio and California and England and uh, Waycross and other places, I guess. Now, I'm the, I'm the only member of my family that totes a gun. The ladies aren't armed yet, and it's a good thing because I'm fixing to throw them a curveball. Those of you who are from out of town, if you come back tomorrow, we don't want you leaving Georgia without a taste of Southern hospitality. If you would, if you're from out of town and you're going to go back wherever you go back to tomorrow afternoon or Monday, and you want to worship here, just uh, come back and uh, lunch is on me at my house. Okay, me and my family. Okay. Okay, now the next thing was this. Now, you, you folks who are from out of town, you don't have to bring anything. We'll take care of you. But if you're from in town, you're going to have to bring something, okay? So you can come too, but you've got to bring something. We're going to have hot dogs, but they're southern hot dogs. Okay, southern hot dogs. Southern made. So, uh, but if you're going to come, please let me know tonight before you leave here so we'll be sure to make arrangements. But if you're from out of town, we want to treat you over at our house for lunch. Tomorrow we're going to have hot dogs. And if you're from in town, then bring something and you can come too. <laughs> uh, is everybody okay with that? Now, the other thing about lunch tomorrow is that it's not going to be an all-afternoon affair. Okay, we love you, so you can get semi-Southern hospitality. Because we've got folks coming to do some work at our house on Monday, and we've got to make... Yeah, that's right. You can, yes, right. You can stay and help us prepare, but probably around 2.30, 3 o'clock, we're going to have to break because we got some work we need to get done, but nobody will take offense at that because you'll be full by that time anyway. Okay, so uh, anyway, just letting you know ahead of time. Love to have you. Now, one final thing we're going to do. Chad, where are you? Here he is. Aloha. Mahalo. Everyone say mahalo. It means thank you. Cool, dude. I just want to, um, the last act of faith, and I want to pray for everyone. You, what I might do is just have you walk through here and just pray over you for the spirit of uh, revival. And uh, in the course of my life, the little, little time that I've been saved, the Lord has allowed me to have the great honor of sharing time with some of our great modern revivalists. Uh, the first one was Leonard Ravenhill at 17 years old and at his house at 20 and Arthur Blessed, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, which is in over 180 countries. And Arthur, Phil Aguilar, Tommy Tenney, you know, just on and on and on. Nikki Cruz is probably my favorite. That's when I learned about the anointing. You can't hear, you can't understand half he says, but everyone gets saved. 
I mean, he sat there, this Puerto Rican in Colorado Springs, and just talked for an hour. I understood a fraction of what he said. Then he said, everybody, I want Jesus to come. 8,000 people. I'm like, the anointing. That's how Pharaoh does it. That's how he does it. I, I, it was an epiphany. I just incredible. <laughs> it's the anointing. Praise God. I had to get one last. It's like a UFC fight, you know, which he's an avid fan of. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. That's what we did last time at his house. We watched the UFC fight. Do you remember who was fighting? <laughs> no. Randy Couture? Randy Couture. Anyone know him? He's the local prophet. <laughs> he's going to come here next week. No, not really. He is born again Christian, though. I'll never forget the day he won in 2008, I believe. He's 44 years old. Has been. They thought he would never. He, Greco-Roman wrestler uh, back up on the Olympic team, you know, in his heyday. Here he was fighting against Tim Sylvia, six foot eight. This is full contact. Three ounce gloves, kick, punch, throw you on the ground, elbow you, <laughs> you know. And uh, he beat this guy in this full contact sanctioned fight in Nevada. And he got up and handed him the mic. Record-breaking pay-per-view. Millions of people. Largest pay-per-view event in the history of pay-per-view. This is bigger than Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, everything. There. They hand him the mic. This old man with the cauliflower ears goes, I have one person to thank. Jesus Christ who shed his blood on the cross for my sins. Dude. Unbelievable. Unbelievable the world that God's winning. Don't ever count them out. Just because they don't go to church or they don't do things like we do. Dude, they don't have promise keeper hats on and little stickers of fishies. And everyone thinks you work from in Alaska, you know. I mean, don't, don't blame them. They're out there in the real world, in their arena, and they're winning the world for God. And they have church on football fields and bow and pray, and they have in the locker room. And, you know, Deion Sanders, who I got to minister with as well, he was a phenomenal guy. Showtime. Born again and saved. When Vic got busted for this dog ring, guess who led him back to the Lord? Vic is on fire now. Deion Sanders. See, God is out there, dude. With Charlie Sheen, if you were here last night. God is moving everywhere. We just have to look up over the fence and see God moving everywhere, man. That's the kind of evangelist he wants to make. He wants to make this hybrid evangelist that is able to reach anyone, anywhere. Anywhere, anyone. Anyone, anywhere. Anywhere? No, I'm just kidding. And... uh, they can reach out. Doesn't matter your background. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what you've done, what you have. People say, Well, I have no tattoos. I don't have long hair. I've been in prison. I've been a coke addict. So I can't do it. You know what my response is? Neither was Jesus. He never did one drug, one alcohol, never slept around, never, you know what I mean? He never did any of this. Yet he was the perfect evangelist. So, I mean, there's no excuse. Tell you the truth, those that haven't done all that are probably more qualified because there's a, there's a, there's something in you that's so, there's an example that we, we can live a better life, that we can achieve these things. And, and so, you know, when I've taken out literally probably tens of thousands of the streets over the years, the most effective are grandmas. Bar none, the most effective evangelist I've ever seen is grandma. Have I ever told you this? The most effective, take grandma out. Get, next time you go to the biker bar downtown, take grandma, Okay. 
Hey, Grandma, get your pool stick. Put on your walking shoes. No, not those. Not those. Come on. Okay. We've walked into a biker bar with Grandma many times, but one occasion was profound. We walked up to a group of bikers drinking their beer, and we said, man, can we pray for you? What they responded, uh, you couldn't, uh, you know, even in prison, I don't think I've ever heard these words, you know. (laughs) And uh, we walked away just, you know, wow. Here comes Grandma. Grandma walks up the table and says, young man, I want you out on the sidewalk right now. Me and you are praying. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And she prayed for that man, and he cried, snot in his beard. You know what? These people, these stole, you guys stole the show, guy. You guys stole the show tonight. You guys stole the show. I, I've told, I'm going to leave this one final comment with you. We owe, we owe a great debt to the harvest. What makes me who I am is the harvest. What, what makes the, the cutting edge in my ministry is, is the people out in the streets. They steal the show, man. They steal the show every time. And I'm so proud. They steal the show. The, the, the drunk man on the bench steals the show. And your guys' testimonies. And guess what? You just looked at five mighty evangelists. Dude, you guys are so changed. You, you, it's over. It's over, man. Just, 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 you know, go home and burn your will. Go home and just, I mean, it's over. You're done. You're gonna, you, you'll live the rest of your life on that chord. You're going to play that one chord the rest of your life. You're hooked. You're hooked. You're like Peter. Where else can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. This is it, man. And I, and I told him today, Keith, it's never the same. Every street, I go to streets all the time. You know, and I, it's never the same. You, your heart still melts. It's like, oh, my God, look at this. It's unbelievable. So finally, before I pray for you, I want to pray for that offering, okay? Because for years in my ministry, I took that very lightly. I came from old school, revival, prayer, you know, don't tell anybody, you know. And, and boy, you know, it was, it was hard. <laughs> and God really rebuked me and said, you know, they're given to revival. They're not given to you. They're given into revival. So don't let them devalue revival. So it changed my whole paradigm in early 2000s. And I began to say, okay, Lord, okay, man, the offering's important. One final thing the Lord showed me, too, is I asked God. I said, Lord, very f- compared to overseas, the donations that come in are very little. I mean, here we are in the industrious America, rich, you know, churches. You know, I go to some churches that are millionaires. I said, God, you know, I get a few hundred a month residually. I said, what's the problem here? I'm not complaining. Life is okay. But why is a widow in Norway? Why is a guy in South Africa? Why is, Lord, you know what the Lord showed me? He said, overseas, they grasp harvest more. America at this point, Chad, when you, your message is so foreign to them. Harvest, revival, streets, the poor. It's so foreign to them. They know it in theory. But they, don't, they know it theologically. But they don't know it in their heart. And he paused. And he said, but the day's coming when the American church will grasp revival and your basket will be overflowing. And you will do what I've called you to do. You will go to these places I've called you to go without any needs, without anything. And I believe that that's coming true now. 
I truly believe the American church is grasping her great commission and that guys like me and guys like you are going to have what they need to go all the way, man. I've got thousands of invitations to countries, thousands, and can't go over some legalities. But God's about to remove that. And boy, I'm going to take you with me. You, need, you want your foot in the door of nations? I've got invitations into every single one. I'll, we'll all go. And we'll be in some castle in Belfast, which we already got reserved. We'll be in a thousand-year-old castle playing this music and worshiping Jesus. Try that on. Hallelujah. So, Father, bless this offering. Thank you for not tithes and offerings. Thank you for revivalists. Thank you for every dollar that goes into that. Lord, is for the harvest. It's for Pine Ridge in May and Wounded Knee. It's for the Sioux Reservation, the most poverty-stricken people in our nation. Father, it's for Cleveland and Pittsburgh. It's for Seattle. Lord, it's for Stockton and Modesto and Merced and Lodi. Lord, it's for Kona, Hawaii. It's for Motel Street in Honolulu, which is the worst two blocks I've seen in the country. Father, it's for all this land. I thank you so deeply for a people that grasps that it's not for a nice motel room. It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I appreciate these small places. I'll never take it for granted, God, that, Lord, often in a manger, kings come with their treasure. So, Father, I pray that everyone that gives, they'll reap a harvest that's unprecedented. Lord, they'll reap a thousand times what you've given me. I pray, God, not just from their money, but from their agreement and prayer. They'll, they'll reap a thousand times more than me. Give them a harvest, Father. In Jesus' name.